in uh, your history classes, did they refer to it as the War of Northern Aggression? They sure did, yeah. yes. Now, that, was in, that was in high school. That wasn't in college. That was what they referred to it in high school, yeah. I think I dropped that nugget on you in Spain, and you loved that. <laughs> Oof. I do not, uh, just for the record, system. I do not agree with that statement. That is Chase <laughs> busting my chops. I want to be clear about that. We needed a theme song. We well, we do. We've got the the eighties thing. Well, I'm I'm talking about like a spoken like like we oh, just yeah. sing it like it. It's not even recorded. Like we just sing it every time, and we just don't keep track of the words. So it's just like slightly different, you know. Well, do your little. Anyway, do, you do you got just do, go on the fly. You got this. Sam and Chase, and now there's Josh. We're here to talk about cybersecurity. Yeah. If that doesn't make it in, I'm gonna be so disappointed. Especially on my episode. <laughs> We're just going to put that's... it in like on every single episode, even when we don't have you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is now the new intro. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if I can top that. So we're just going to kind of... Thanks, everyone. Welcome. We need this to harmonize is, uh... it. <laughs> I don't know if we can do that. Um, <laughs> this is Any Port on the Net, a cybersecurity podcast uh, presented to you by Black Lantern Security. Um, my name's Sam. I'm here with Chase. Uh, we're, you know, we do this sometimes. We're trying to be regular again. We were good for a while. Then we were bad. Yeah. Now we're trying to be good again. Yeah, we were very bad. Yeah. So when you introduce me, I don't know, like, if I'm supposed to say something or if I'm just like, you know, just, just kind of here. Just, you know, tip of the hat. Like, f- yeah. F- flick your fedora I'll, I'll, down. I'll have to get like, yeah, I'll have to get like ASMR. That way they can hear me tipping my combination <laughs> fedora cowboy hat. See, it's got to be an aluminum uh, fedora cowboy hat. That way they can hear it. It's like, Shh. yeah. Well, it has aluminum lining. You know, I don't want the government reading my thoughts and all that. <laughs> well, Chase, we're back at it again. Um, For better or worse, yeah. <laughs> uh, depending on order of operations, this episode should or might follow kind of our, hey, we're back and we're ready to talk. And in that last episode, we talked about a couple of the ideas that we had for uh, some episodes throughout the remainder of this year. And one of them was specifically to talk to BLS newcomer, I think the most recent hire. Uh, his name's Josh, and he's here with us today. So, Josh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, you're kind of in a unique position because I think you are the first person to ever be first a listener of the podcast, uh, to join as a guest. Hey, gotta be known for something. Yeah. I I credit this podcast to, uh, helping me land my position here at BLS. Hey, I'll take that. It's amazing that the only podcast listener, uh, got the job, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's all it took. They didn't, had anyone else applied and known, all you had to do is really just listen to the podcast and we hire you immediately. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's just you're the only one who listened to the podcast and we hired you. Our, our hiring process is just vanity for Chase, nothing else. It really is. Most things are. <laughs> well, a funny story from that. Early on when you joined us, I you you managed to like give me a complex because I think you mentioned that, like, it might have even been in your interview. You made some kind of off comment, like, man, Sam, you, you're not as mean to Chase as I thought you were. 
No, uh, it's, it's, you're not as mean as you sound, or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. And I, this was most intentional. So during my interview, I was super nervous. And I, there was one part where I don't remember if it was Paul or Phil. We went back and forth. I've asked both of them, and, and neither will claim it. But I think it may have been Paul. But Michael asked if he had any questions. And he had been on mute the entire time during my outbreak for my interview. And he cues his mic up and just says, nope. And then muted it again. And man, that like, it crushed my soul. Like I thought, I was like, this, this is it. I'm over. There's no, like, I'm just going to go. Like, Thanks guys. I'm going home. So from there, I just kind of relaxed. So it ended up being a good thing because I, I somewhat relaxed. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to turn off the corporate mode, which I was definitely in because of my job at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to relax. So I think I, I busted your chops about being mean to Chase because there are a few episodes where you guys mentioned you being mean to Chase. And then I took it one step further as things, as it happens at this company, we escalate things, especially when it comes oh, yeah. to, to gags and pranks. So yes. then I joined the Discord after I started working here, oh, but I gosh, didn't tell yeah. anyone I joined the Discord <laughs> and I kept that gag going in the Discord. So in your mind, two separate situations where someone had yeah. randomly been like, I'm, they really think I'm mean to him. And then I remember you saying something <laughs> in a meeting. I was like, okay, I got to fess up. I feel bad because like Sam... For anyone listening, is legitimately the nicest person at this company. Maybe outside oh, yeah. of Joel, so I was like, I felt bad that I I thought he was in on the gag and he wasn't. So it was it was more effective <laughs> than I thought it was. So yeah, then I had to fess up to it. Really, anything that's just gaslighting Sam, I'm supportive of. <laughs> well, and and I think it was like you did the Discord thing as we were setting up to do one of our first like broadcasts through discord right yeah so we had a bunch for of, joel's trevor you know, spray yes people, yes yeah yeah for joel's joel's trevor spray presentation so we had a bunch of people like listening in and then all of a sudden the whatever your discord name is pops up and goes wow you know sam i thought you were the mean one or something like that and i was like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah that for that. stuck in me I'm yeah, sorry. I, I apologize I again. I think I've apologized already, but let let this be my official formal apology. I apologize again. <laughs> yeah, didn't you well, think I, I mean, was just like very like by the book or like white bread yeah, or something I, like that? Oh, I while. thought Chase. Was, I think my, we we talked about this in Spain. I, I thought Chase was like the most. I thought he was going to be very buttoned up, very, for lack of a better word, uptight. And then Chase and I got to know each other really well in Spain, and it, yeah, that turned out to not be true at all. Our, oh, sense no, of, our sense not. of humor very much aligns. Oh, yeah. No, I I can echo that on Chase because I think when I, the first time you came in as an intern, Chase, at the, the company work, we worked with together, mm. like, I was like, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off because that was just the role that I played in that company. And I've got this <laughs> new intern who is like, I think the first two weeks, I don't think you said very much to me. <laughs> Um, but it was just the, like, whole, like, is, is he very serious? What is this? Something clicked and, like, it swapped to them being, like, just constantly giving each other a hard time. Well, it's like, I mean, I have a very dry sense of humor for the most part. And then on top of that, too, coming from, like, a background being, like, you know, junior enlisted in the military, it's, like, seen and not heard kind of thing. Like, you know officers especially those in like a headquarters unit for a while like the officers don't want to see the help you know they don't want to hear the help and so i and also like when i'm in a new environment i need to know 
I guess the culture and like where the line is, you know? And so I spend some time just kind of observing that way I can adjust as needed. Cause the last thing I want to do is offend anyone or anything like that, especially uh, when I'm getting paid to be there. Yeah. Well, especially in that. I will add dark. I will add dark to that dry sense of humor. It's both dry and dark. (laughs) That is like overcooked chicken. It's very. (laughs) Gross. Yeah. Sometimes we'll get some very uh, out of left field comments from Chase and it's fantastic. Now, kind of to circle back, Josh, you remember the, the discussion in your interview, kind of like where you came from, how you ended up where you did. And I, find that as a very interesting story because you don't have a a traditional technical background right you and i'm not going to tell your story for you but just to kind of highlight it you you came from you know a non-technical background you got a degree in that you went that field and then yeah what what was that yeah but not at all technical um so i i started out um thinking i was going to be an attorney i spent my you know, all of my undergraduate days, high school, working to be an attorney. Um, I went to law school. I almost graduated law school. I got like as close as you can to graduating law school without actually graduating. And then I took, I had like one senior seminar class to take. And I realized at that point, I didn't want to be an attorney. I was working at a law firm at the time who shall remain nameless because they were, for lack of a better (laughs) word, letting me be an attorney, which is maybe illegal. I'm not sure. But I'm actually sure it is illegal. Cut that, but cut, that, cut, that. Cut, cut that, cut that, cut that. Um, but they, they, uh, they were letting me be an attorney. Basically, I was, I was practicing, and I was miserable. I absolutely did not love it at all. So at the at that time, I had a chance to go. At, it was back around twenty. This has been around twenty twelve to twenty thirteen. The there was a, an oil boom happening in the like southwest side of North Dakota. Um, I think it's called the Bocking Shell is where they were digging a bunch of oil out of the ground. I had a buddy from college who was working in logistics there. He had been trying to get me to come up there for a, a while to work. And I said, you know, what, what am I going to do in North Dakota? No, I'm not, I'm not going to go. I realized I wasn't going to be an attorney, so I had to make a career change. So I thought, well, this will be a great opportunity to go up there, figure out what I want to do. You know, I made some really good money to go up there and work in logistics in North Dakota. And while I was there, they had a personnel shortage because it's North Dakota and there just weren't that many people there. And the company I was with found that if you could do something at that company and they found out about it, they would promote you to do that thing. They found out I liked working with tech. And so I got promoted to like installing, it was called PeopleNet is the name of the software. It's a software and a hardware. PeopleNet is the software, but they use like a tablet hardware, um, like an Android tablet as the hardware for like e-logging on the trucks, like e-ticketing system for their trucks. It hand out right. their load assignment. It would keep up with the driver's DOT mileage and all that. So I started doing that, and my wife, Amber, pointed out to me, hey, you should probably go into tech, because I was still trying to figure out what I want to do. You know, I, only, I was in my, in my 30s at that time. I only want to make one career change. That's not something you want to turn in and do 10 years later. So she pointed out to me, hey, you should go into tech, because on the days that you work on PeopleNet, you're happy. She's like, I can see it when you walk in the door. She's like, you're just a different person. So I didn't really know at the time, you know, what does that mean to work in tech? So I started researching it, landed on taking the A+, because I thought, well, it looks like I need to, you know, take the A+, and then get a service desk job. So I started studying for the A+, and 
in that time, we moved back to Alabama, where we, you know, originally from, as you can obviously have already gathered, more than likely the listeners from my accent. <laughs> um, so we moved back to Alabama, and as I was studying for the A+, I landed a job on a service desk. So I never sat for the A+, just because I was taking the A+, to get a job on the service desk. I did a six-month service desk contract at that company. Did another with another company locally while I was doing that. I met someone that was working. They poached me from that company. I did another six-month contract there. And then from there, I landed a corporate gig doing end-user services, basically in the field for a a very large construction company. And I went from there to, to... to BLS. I was, I was there for probably four and a half, almost five years, and then I, I landed a job at BLS. So yeah, law school. Law school, oil field, service desk, you know, the typical IT route, as most everyone take. Yeah. And then what was your, uh, what degree did you end up getting as an undergrad? I don't know if you said it. Oh, no, I didn't. I got a degree in criminal justice because at the time I thought I was going to go, you know, be an attorney, and, and I wanted maybe to work in prosecution. So I actually... Right. I got to say, I majored in criminal justice. This has been a long time ago, so I have to think about this. I majored in criminal justice. I double majored in criminal justice and political science with a minor in history. That sounds more impressive than it is because the political science, my history minor, I only had to take like two other courses to get the political science major. So getting that double major, like sounds impressive, but like I had to take one other course. It was a course I ended up liking taking, you know, it was interesting to me anyway, so... It sounds impressive, but it's it's really not as impressive as it sounds. In uh, your history classes, did they refer to it as the War of Northern Aggression? They sure did. <laughs> yes, now, that was in, that was in high school. That wasn't in college. That was what they referred to it in high school. Yeah, <laughs> like I dropped that nugget on you in Spain, and you loved that. <laughs> Oof. I do not. Uh, just for the record, system. I do not agree with that statement. That is Chase busting my chops. I want to be clear about that. Oh. Yeah, and also I want to be clear about something too. I've had people who've like listened to the podcast, they've reached out on me on LinkedIn, and they like friended me and stuff like that. And some people just have been sharing some extremely hateful shit, and we do not tolerate that whatsoever. So I just want to let that off the bat. Curveball, uh, yeah. Moment of seriousness from yeah. Chase there. Uh, you know, I know it's a moment of seriousness, but I'm just that's a rare not... document that. Yeah, yeah. I I can't tolerate that shit, and that's the quickest way for me to block you is if you start sharing hateful stuff not a fan yeah and that kind of like stuff goes around the water cooler of like hey so and so we're we're looking at this person coming in so and so like if chase goes yeah saw some weird shit publicly yeah. from that person yeah. it is the yeah the cyber security world is a small community i have learned that really quick yeah <laughs> it is yeah which it's not like like it's fine whatever your personal political opinions are and all that is fine as long as you're not being a bigot or hateful to other people that that's 100 percent where i draw the line now josh kind of to circle back before chase went serious on us um so one of the things i wanted to highlight is you you know you were lined up ready to go full you know law career and you know so your background is not in tech your 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 experience was either in the field or what you studied with like a plus um now what was the i guess what drew you to security specifically because the tech world is a it's a broad kind of spectrum you know you can get into a lot of different things to be a part of so 
you know, what was it that pulled you into security specifically? So it was it was kind of a natural progression for me. Like I started, like I said, you know, I started with the A plus, got a, a service desk job, and then from there, it, it's kind of one of those things where I think with tech, it's important to let the things you know don't say I did it obviously with law and said I'm going to practice law and then realized I didn't like it. Don't pick one thing early on and say this is what I'm going to do. Wait and see what comes to you. With me, it happened naturally. I started after I got my A plus. I you know was looking to advance, so I thought. I started at doing a little bit of networking at my first service desk job, and I really enjoyed it. I liked doing networking. It made sense to me. And then from there, I thought, you know, the the best way to, to, to build a good network is to secure that network. So then I thought, well, what, what does that mean? So then I started looking into security. I think probably if you if you want to go armchair psychologist with it, I read too many comic books as a kid, and, you know, I have that vigilante <laughs> inside of me that wants to protect the good guys. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, it was kind of a natural progression. It just started with, I started with A+, plus, you know, took the Network Plus, enjoyed that, and then I did some Security Plus training. Um, I did take the Security Plus, sat for it, and passed it just actually right before I started working at BLS. Um, mm. But yeah, it was just kind of a natural progression, probably probably reading a lot of comic books as a kid, and it just, it makes sense to me. I've always, I've always, been, you know, I wanted to go into prosecution when I was working, when I thought I was going to be an attorney. I think I just like that idea of, of, protecting innocent people or protecting the good guys from the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And then I also have, I think I've always had a mischievous mind. So I, I think I have a good talent of thinking like a bad guy, but I have, a, you know, a, a conscious there that doesn't allow me to act on a lot of those thoughts. This job kind of scratches that itch for me. I'm able to think like a bad guy, be a bad guy and get paid to be a bad guy, but, but I'm actually a good guy. Yeah. And ultimately like companies are paying us, but, we're ultimately protecting the end user, like the consumer's data. Yeah. You know, that's something I appreciate is, hey, we're protecting your average person from getting their information stolen and the bill is footed by the company. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think the first engagement I was on, we found uh, we found a portal that was that had a lot of credit card info. You know, end users were able to, to make mm-hmm. payments or whatever, but it was storing credit cards, social security numbers in plain text. Yep. I mean, uh, Sam and I have been on engagements where it's like, some medical organization or something like that and we find enough stuff to do like 40 million dollars worth of medical records on the dark web or something and it's just that that's why you need to have kind of that conscious when you're doing this job because that's a lot of money to (laughs) you know turn down but ultimately it's about protecting people and making sure people's data is safe is really at the end of the day why i like doing this job yeah it would be really easy to to go to the dark side bad guys with ethics like that that should be our next (laughs) sticker Um, so now I want to hit on a couple of things before we go too far. One of the things that I know I get the question a lot, and I'm sure Chase, you probably hear it too, is, you know, what certificates help get like your foot in the door or help when it comes to, um, security, because it's a, I think we've talked about this in the past, but security is this weird kind of game right now where there's, we're starting to see more traditional educational paths for it, but there's still a lot of people who rely on certificates or non-traditional education methods for getting fundamentals down. So you you went the comp tier route, which was uh, the A+, Network+, Plus, and Security+, Plus, right? Which is not an uncommon route. We see it a little bit more military side or service desk side, but it's not an uncommon route, right? So, you know, with those three certificates or I'm going to kind of start with the A plus specifically. How do you think those helped you 
get your foot in the door and help build that? Like, did it actually help build that uh, security fundamentals for you? Or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, with A+, especially with me, like I had, I had no experience whatsoever traditionally in tech. Um, I think for me, A-plus, is, it starts out super, super basic. So it's, you know, it's more for someone who's trying to land a service desk job. I, a lot of people rail on the Network Plus certification, but it, for me, was a great certification because you can't secure a network if you don't understand how it works, right? So, like, you know, mm. figuring things out like subnetting DNS, just the basics of the network, I think going that route was helpful for me in that I had... I knew what an IP address was when I first started this journey, but I couldn't tell you the difference between DNS and DHCP. Like I was clueless. Um, I could spell those two words, but that was about it for me. You know? <laughs> um, Security Plus is more, I, I think, and I've also got a couple other certifications I didn't mention that we can get to, but Security Plus for me was more the basic concepts. You know, it was um, like, like data in transit, data at rest, what's the difference? What is a radius server? What, you know, how does a radius server affect the wireless network? Like it was, it was basic things that, that you can then, you know, go deep dive a little more into. Um, I think security plus is a good one for someone who has no security experience whatsoever. Now, if you've been working as a senior system administrator, you may not really need the security plus. Um, before I took the security plus, so I took the EJPT, which is through, INE, I believe it was formerly eLearn Academy or eLearn. Um, you'd have to I'd have to Google that, but it's I believe it's INE now. Um, it was a, just a junior penetration tester, and I took it more of a a litmus test for myself to find out, hey, is this something I can do? You know, it definitely pen testing is definitely a sexy job. It sounds good, but it's one of those things like if I, if I'm if I'm not good at it, I don't want to pursue this route. Taking that really helped me to realize, hey. You know, you, you can do this. And I, the, the EJPT, the, not only did I enjoy the preparation, I enjoyed the labs that they give you in preparation for that exam, but I also enjoyed the actual exam itself because it's just like a, a miniature capture of the flag. And that was, for me, what lit that fire to be like, okay, this is something I need to pursue. From there, from the EJPT, I went to the PNPT, which, shout out Heath Adams, it's like a it's professional network penetration tester. It is basically a five-week, it's a lot like our CTF, it's a, a five-day, sorry, not five-week. It's a, he gives you like a fake company that you have to OSINT that company, find email addresses, spray those email addresses, and it's kind of like a real-world engagement. Are you wanting to see how your organization may stack up against the dedicated attacker? Well, feel free to hit us up at blackmanagersecurity.com slash contact us. Be sure to mention the podcast. Cool. Hmm. So from your experience with all of those different certificates or those learning paths, I mean, what would you recommend, you know, someone who kind of followed a similar path to you? Do you, do you think the A-plus is the best starting, po- starting, ugh, starting point for that? Or, or do you think jumping right to like an EJBT or like something in the e-learn spectrum? Uh, I mean, I'm going to give you a lawyer answer, but it depends. I mean, it just depends on your skill set. <laughs> you know, if, if you're walking into it with zero experience, yeah, I would say start off with the A plus just because it gives you those those basic concepts that you're going to need to learn. Now, if you've already been working on a service desk for, if you can land a service desk job, you know, I sound like an old man. I'm going to age myself here, but kids today, you know, come out, you know, coding in high school. That wasn't something that existed back in, you know, 25 years ago when I was in school. We didn't code in high school. We were still playing, you know, number munchers in Oregon Trail on computers. So I think a lot of the younger generation today probably wouldn't need that just because they had, you know, they they're kind of born with tablets in their hands. They understand a lot right. of those basic concepts already. Uh, but for someone who, who has no experience whatsoever, yeah, I think that would be a good route. I would recommend it. 
Okay. And, and kind of the reason I like going down this path with you is because I think you you are a I don't I don't want to call you like a good example, but I like for lack of a better phrase, like the path that you've taken, I think is exactly what a lot of people think about when they think of like they want to get into security, but they're coming from a, a line of work that is not inherently technical or not strictly technical focused. And it I like your story because it shows like as long as you're willing to put the time into it, as long as you're willing to invest, you know, your effort, you can get into security. It just, you've got to find the right route for you. No, absolutely. It takes persistence. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't, it was a five-year process for me. Like it, I got a lot of rejections. I got a lot of people telling me this is a horrible idea. You shouldn't be doing this. I will say too, going back to certifications, do the free stuff first. Like the th- everything I've mentioned so far requires, you know, paying some sort of subscription or buying a book or buying a plan. Man, you can go to YouTube right now and type in Professor Messer A-plus security preparation or Professor Messer Network Plus, and he has, you know, hours and hours and hours of videos that, that you could pay zero dollars, you know, basically an internet connection and a laptop and get get as much training. It would get you ready for some of those exams without ever buying a book or paying for a course. Yeah. yeah, we should include some of the uh, the free resources in the episode description, Sam. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, because I think free resources are important uh, to document and recommend because you can do a fantastic amount of learning without paying any money whatsoever. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of content out there, and there's more every day. I mean, it, you see more. You know, even from four years ago when I started this, there's content creators out there today that weren't there when I started. Like people like John Hammond, Heath Adams, uh, you know, Ben, uh, it's Nomsec is his YouTube name, his Twitter name. But yeah, there's stuff out there now that Katie Paxton figure, I could keep naming them. I mean, there's probably, you know, 15 creators that are out there now that have hours and hours of content that weren't there five years ago, but today they are. And three years from now, we can go back and look at this podcast and be like, well, there's 30 more now. Yeah, and then there's also plenty of like free hands-on resources too, like Hack the Box and things like that that you don't need to pay for. I I'll actually highly recommend try Hack Me for people who are coming in with even less technical background. Like I like Hack the Box, but I think they that's a little bit like mid-tier uh sort of training. Yeah. But Try Hack Me does a good job of like walking people through their what they refer to them as rooms, where it's like a lesson of a specific topic or you know, a specific security flaw or even like they, I was just running through the web fundamentals uh, pathway on try hack me just to like go through it. And something I like to do is before I make recommendations on resources, I like to try and go through them myself because I don't want to ever blindly hand something over. So like the try hack me web fundamentals, I was like, I, I know this is here. I've never walked through it to see what it covers. And even the first couple of lessons, I'm like, okay, this is like, this is baseline. This is, this is getting your, your fundamentals in. So that's one that I, you know, kind of in line there. I think it's mostly free. There might be a couple rooms that you need uh, their subscription to get because they're like premium rooms. But for most, the most of that path, I think it's free. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would echo that. Try Hack Me is definitely a good entry level to hacking. Like if it, get some chops on Try Hack Me before you jump into Hack the Box. Cause I think Hack the Box, I don't know if they still do this, but you have to kind of hack your way into Hack the Box. Do they still have that where you, you have to find, I don't want to give it away, but you have to find like a password <laughs> to get a subscription to, to create a user yeah. account? You needed the, you needed to like find the registration code. I don't even remember how yeah. to do that, but I, 
I my my hack the box account is old enough that it I did I had to go that way. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Maybe I'll try and make a new hack the box account and see if you still have to figure it out. That was always a fun challenge. Like, I, it is a little gatekeepery, but at the same time, I think it's pretty cool. I will say this: if you try that route, if you try to sign up for hack the box, and you're unable to go back to try hack me. Get some chops about you there, and then come back and try to get back to box. And if that don't work, hit us up on Twitter. We'll help you out with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've kind of walked through your background, what you did, you know, in school, certificates, and then we're up to joining BLS. So you kind of talked about the interview process a little bit. We we've talked about it in the past as well. We, especially if you're coming in, and we, we've got a couple different tracks, but. The most common one that we interview for is our, our red team track, right? Which mm-hmm. is what you came in through. And that's kind of the the classic, you know, you do an initial interview. And then if you get past that, then you go through our technical interview, which is a, oh, is it two days? I think it's two days to do hack yeah. five or six boxes and then two days to report on, like pull, pull together a report on your findings, right? Yeah. Um, what was your experience like for that, Josh? So even if we can, take a step back. I don't want to step on your podcast. I know you're kind of bizarre here. I don't want you to start bullying me like you do, Chase. But Wow. Like, if you go back, I, know, right? I had to. I had to. I'm sorry. I have to so, go through therapy so all the time. I, I've oh. been there. It's some rough sessions. So if you go back one, like like before I go, as I was trying to get into security, I was at my corporate job for probably two and a half years, three years, when I realized, hey, I want to be a pen tester. I started mm-hmm. applying for security jobs, and it took me almost three years to get that interview at, at BLS. I applied for probably 350 jobs or more. And like I had a, at one time I had a spreadsheet going and like I would take the data from the spreadsheet and like, you know, if it was red, it was no callback. If it was blue, I got a callback, but no interview. If it was green, I got a callback and an interview and then, you know, made it the second round. At first I made a pie chart with that and I had to quit doing that because it was depressing because it was just a red circle because I was getting absolutely nowhere with it. This is some advice I will give someone if you're trying to get into a company. First of all, stay off of Indeed. That's where resumes go to die. If you do get on Indeed, find a company name and try to reach out to someone at that company locally. What got me an interview at BLS was Mike made a post on Twitter, or I'm sorry, on Reddit, and I saw that. I applied through the job, and then I got on LinkedIn, and I tried to find someone at BLS that looked like a decision maker. I landed on Larry, and I reached out. I added him as a connection and then reached out to him and sent him a message and said, hey, you know, I introduced myself. I told him I applied for the job. And about a week after that, he gave me a call and he let me know, hey, this is not an interview. I just want to get to know you. We spent, you know, probably 30 minutes just getting to know each other. And then at the end of that conversation, he asked if I would like to set for the CTF, which, you know, my answer was absolutely. So I think it's important to say you may have to apply for over 350 jobs, but if if it's something you really want to do, don't give up on it. Keep going and and you'll get there eventually. I'm sorry, I forgot your original question. Can you ask me again? Because I, I, I totally derailed that. But I did want to say that before we went further. No, that's. I think that's a, a very good point because especially when you're you're trying to break in, it, it's that first first step through the door that is hard. Yes. And like, I, I count myself lucky because I made the transition from that corporate job myself. Right. I was in a non-security position at my my last corporate job, and you know I had a manager that actually was looking out for me and. I told him outright, I was like, I want to do security. That's where I want to go. And at that time in that that job, the security team was like three strong or something like that. So it was hard to get into, right? So I, Mm -hmm. you know, he luckily I had a manager who was looking out for me to get me in that door. So 
if I would have tried to go the other route of like changing companies and finding an in at another security company with just my like audit experience, like that would have been a similar situation to what you're explaining. It's like hundreds and hundreds of job, you know, submissions trying to find that one company that'll either give you the the time of day just to talk to you or, you know, walk through the door. And I know we try at BLS, we try and be pretty good about being responsive as long as you sign up on our site, that's our easiest way to do it. But <laughs> you mentioned something about Larry uh, specifically that he, in that first call, he said, it's not an interview. That was, that was an, in- an interview. <laughs> oh, totally it was. Hey, I think he told me that to put me like to just to let me relax a little bit. Cause yeah. when he first called me, I was super nervous. I was like, wait, from black letter security. Like I got, I fangirled a little bit on him. I had to apologize <laughs> for that later, but yeah, no, I, it totally was an interview. I didn't, I didn't realize that at the time, but looking back, I was like, wait a minute, that guy pulled one yeah. on me. That's, that is the, uh, that is, oh, what does he call it? That's Larry's, uh, can I spend 30 minutes in a car with you interview? <laughs> I, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then, yeah, the next step is the CTF. So what was that experience like for you? It was a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, overall it was, I enjoyed it. It was super fun. So, you know, Mike, I, then we set it up. I had like a, probably a month between that phone conversation with Larry and taking the CTF. So like those 30 days were just like, I was going very hard in the paint with <laughs> trying to do everything. I was doing every hack the box room I could. I did, you know, every try, I think I had exhausted all the try hacking resources at that point and moved on to hack the box. So, you know, Michael reaches, we set, we set it up. Michael reached out to me that morning. You know, I don't want to give too much away, but basically it's a CTF. So they, you know, we provide you with, access to to a network and then we you know give you a number of boxes and let you try to break into those boxes there's usually two flags on each box a user flag and a root flag as, as most ctfs go i probably spent the first two hours within the first two hours i had three flags and i thought man these guys are suckers i'm about to pwn this entire network and i'm gonna have this flag. i'm gonna have this turned in within a week or within you know two out three hours or whatever and then I spent, so that was like the first three hours. I spent the next 45 hours banging my head against the wall and got absolutely nowhere. I thought at the end of that, it was over. I, I, did, I was like, there's no way, you know, there's 10 flags total. I thought there's no way, you know, I, I, this is 70% fail rate. I didn't realize at the time that I was taking a newer version of the CTF that, that, <laughs> that no one had taken at that point. I, I learned this in Spain. Mike and I talked about this at length. Um, I didn't realize that he and a couple of the guys here had basically put their sadist hat on and, and just turned those things. Mm-hmm. That it, they, it went to 11. They turned it to 11. Like, they got it up, you know, they made it as difficult as possible. Um, so the fact that I found those three flights is impressive for a junior, I think, um, at least for me, especially at that point. So I spent, you know, the next 48 hours just failing. And then I went back, and actually, after that 48 hours was up, I then had 48 hours to, to write my report, which I went to law school. I, felt like that's one of my strong suits. I know how to write. That's really a lot of law school is teaching you how to write. I went back and actually listened to the podcast that night. I listened to Mike's episode and somewhere <laughs> in there, I don't know if he's been on there once or twice, but somewhere in one of the episodes that I listened to, he made the comment of, he basically said, you can be not as technical as you think you need to be, not do so great on the CTF, but if you can write and you can communicate to their client, we're going to be interested in you. And it's like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh, well, I just go have to, I have to write a good report then. And so I did. I spent the next 48 hours writing a report. I had already been on the GitHub page for Black Lantern Security, and I found Right Hat. 
And I said to myself when I found it, hey, I'm going to write my report with this because it seems to be their reporting software. Whether it's intuitive to use or not, I'm going to use it just for the brownie points. But then I you know, pulled a copy of it down, spun it up locally, and realized, hey, this is a really good program. I enjoy using this. I'm going to use it. It went from I'm going to use this regardless of whether it's good or not to I'm using this after whether I get this job or not because this is a really good software. <laughs> Um, so that was, you know, bonus points to anyone listening. If you want some bonus points on our CTF route, you report in right hat. I'll say that. So I, then I, I will second I, that as part of the hiring team. I, I went yeah, through. It and, also just makes your life so much easier. It does. Yeah, I was, you know, was going to. Screw Microsoft Word. I was going to bang my head against the wall with Word. That's exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I went through and I wrote a, a, a pretty good report. I will say I went back and read the report after, after we got back from Spain and I, me and Mike and I had talked in depth about my hiring process, and I was I was proud of it. I was after, especially after setting in now on a few engagements and seeing what our reports look like when we turn it into the client. I was proud of the I'm proud of the report I wrote. But yeah, yeah, it was it was a it was a fun process. I think it's it's definitely one of the most interesting hiring processes I've I've ever been through. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think after a little peek behind the curtain, I think after your interview when we were talking about like. You know, like after every interview, you go through like the pros and cons of like the the applicant and all that fun stuff. And I know, I think the resounding stance for you was like, A, he used Red Hat. So bonus points, because I, I don't care who you are. If you are applying to a tech company that has products that are externally available, especially open source products, and you don't at least have some knowledge of them, let alone try them. Like, because we have security tools that we provide open source, it's probably a good idea to try them <laughs> and have an understanding of them. The fact that you came out with that knowledge, you understood what Red Hat was, and you, like, everyone was like, damn, he knows how to write. <laughs> yeah. you, so, wouldn't, you wouldn't know it hearing me speak, but yeah, I do, I do speak good words sometimes. <laughs> speak great words. I make good words um, on paper. They're, yeah. So... It, it, I really like to highlight that because it's, I think we get so conditioned with like looking at like, I'll, I'll point to the OSCP, right? That is a, you get all, you get all of the boxes or the right number of boxes or else you don't get the certificate, right? So when I took the BLS CTF, I was coming off fresh from doing my OSCP or fairly fresh from my OSCP. So I had like, when I was doing the OSCP, kind of like what you did, Josh, with Try Hack Me and Hack the Box, I went through every single lab box, like twice, just to make sure I knew how to do them, had them top to bottom. And I got, I think I got all but one box on the OSCP, mostly because I just passed out because I did it all <laughs> right. straight. Yeah. And then turned around and had the BLS CTF a couple months later and did the same thing. I was like, all right, here we go. And I when I knew I was about to do it, I did hack the box for about, you know, I think I was similar. I had about a month between the initial contact and when it was scheduled. And yes, I had the older version of the CTF that some say is easier. But yeah, like I, I had that same mentality. I was like, I've got to get all of them or else I'm not getting this job. <laughs> so it was a, a scarier experience. It's a scary experience when you have that mindset. But just to put some people at ease, if you're contemplating applying somewhere that has like a CTF or a technical interview like that, Sometimes it's really, we want to see, we use it just to gauge like where you're at from a technical perspective, yeah. but it's also the soft skills that are important. Absolutely. Like we've, I think, Chase, we've harped on this before in other episodes, but we care about those soft skills. We care about how you write, yeah. care about how you present, how you talk, how you 
interact with people who are, you know, at a different company or a different, you know, position from you, just how that interaction goes, because that tells a lot about who you are. And even if you don't like necessarily get a lot of the boxes or flags or anything like that, like write about what you did. Like we want to see mm-hmm. how you failed, you know, like what did you try? What didn't work? We, we want to understand, you know, your thought process behind it and the mentality you had going in. Yeah, that process is very important because you can like, I, I think when I did the BLS CTF back a couple of years ago, I think I got all but one box and the root uh the privilege escalation i missed like looking back on it now i'm like wow that was a really dumb miss on my part i don't know why i miss. I, I think it was like a i was like how how did i miss that and it's like you're in a time pressure situation it's if you did what i did and kind of went on minimal sleep trying to spend as much time on it as possible some of those are easy to miss so it's like what chase said it's that showing you know the process showing you have a workflow showing you can you know go from point A to point B and kind of get through certain content shows your ability to do, you know, security, do pen testing, do have that mindset. The process and the mindset is absolutely the most important thing. Like I I think one of my greatest skills as a pen tester is not necessarily like any of my hard technical skills or anything along those lines. It's just having that internal alarm trained so that when I'm pouring through these networks that could have like a hundred thousand systems on them, being able to have that like internal alarm that goes off when it's like, oh, that looks sketchy. We should poke at that more. Or, oh, that's probably not going to be like worth our time. We need to move on. Like having that internal alarm allows you to prioritize what you look at. And ultimately, that's just the name of the game when, our, when we're at our engagements. That is the essence of our attack surface management program. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes you get sometimes you get sent a list of 327,000 endpoints <laughs> that you have to parse through. Yeah. Sam. I'm helping. <laughs> no, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, we're down to 324,000 endpoints now. Nice. Yeah, I, I just got a bunch of NX domains that I got to throw into that list, so that should clear up a bunch of them. I think like 4,000 some odd NX domains. I think some of those are wild cards that just went a little crazy. I don't think it's that. There I, are that feels like I too much. That. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. So a little in, insight on baseball. What we're talking about there is where I pulled Josh in to help me and chase out on one of our asm clients who's uh probably the largest one we have and we have an internally developed osint gathering tool it's called bbot <laughs> and uh i ran it against this client and it spit out like three hundred thousand some odd assets and that's when i was like hey josh <laughs> where's the new guy new guy get in here i got some work for I need, you <laughs> i need eyes and typing figures come on <laughs> <laughs> we just need warm bodies at this point. You don't worry about your skill set. <laughs> uh, if you're interested in large amounts of data management and web pen testing, please apply at blacklanternsecurity.com. <laughs> analyst position. I need people. <laughs> so, but that being said, like I always like to, whenever we talk to candidates, or if I'm like, if someone messages me on LinkedIn or something, like, how do I get into this? I'm like, yes, brush up on your technical skills. Have a have your baseline. But also, there's a, you know, a lot to say about how you write. So just practice writing semi-technical yeah. reports. Like, you don't have to be the best in the world. You don't need an English degree or anything like that. But being able to express your, te- your, your intent from a technical perspective while not getting lost in the weeds is such a valuable skill 
in our our line of work because God, how many reports do we write in a year? A lot, <laughs> hundred probably. Yeah, and it's like a lot of them. It's there's no guideline for what we're doing. Like especially when we're going down the the risk assessment rabbit hole, right? Sometimes you're talking about stuff that you've never had to write about before, and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm. You know, I don't know how to convey this perfectly, but if you have that, like that ability to talk about something from a technical perspective, but make it consumable, yeah. that yeah, that exactly. goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, like, at the end of the day, like our primary job is not pen testing. Our primary job is writing because people buy the report. They don't buy us actually hacking. It's like Paul yeah, said, that's absolutely. our only product that we actually have is the report. That's it. We have nothing yeah. else. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now. Kind of go back on the Josh saga. We're we're getting close on recording time here, so I I want to not lose too much. So the Josh saga. So you you've now gone through the CTF. You did the the what we call is the outbrief, right? The the debrief of what you experienced through the CTF, and we come back with an offer. So where where's the decision making for you? Like I know you were you'd been a consumer of the podcast prior to applying and you, you were some semi-aware about BLS. So I guess what's that experience like? I mean, I, it was what, first of all, I'll go back to Larry. He pulled the switcheroo on me. Um, so I took this, this, <laughs> I did the outbrief, uh, you know, ended it. And I thought, you know what? I just made some good connections in the security field. That was really my mindset afterward. Cause I thought I had, I thought I had chunked it. I really did. I didn't think I was going to get an offer about 45 minutes later, Larry called and that joker says, you know, we, uh, we, you're kind of short on some of the technical things. I think we knew that going into it. And we, we think, you know, you fell short there. And like, it felt like one of those thank you, but no thank you phone calls. And then I, I like, I already had my mind made up. So then he starts with that. And then he says, you know, you're, you're short on some of the technical things, but, but luckily there's no better place to learn than Bill S. And I think we're going to offer you the job. And I was like, absolutely. I accept on the spot. Like we didn't, I didn't even like, I didn't negotiate anything. It's like I was ready to work for Bill S. I had already done, you know, the research. I was kind of in love with the company already taking a course through Heath Adams where he does an entire module on like password cracking. And he, uh, that entire module was, was built around Trevor spray. So like I had been learning about BLS before I even knew what BLS was. And that was probably a year before I, I interviewed at BLS. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was a very short negotiation process. It was Larry calling saying, do you want the job? And then that, that was on like a Wednesday, I think on that, that weekend, my wife and I flew over here to Charleston to look at places. And we're like, yeah, I guess we're moving to Charleston now. So uh, we flew over here, found us a place to live, and then we moved about a month after that. I know, uh, <laughs> I remember when you were coming on, Mike was like, uh, we're going to have Josh here a week early. And we were like, wait, his start date is next Monday. And he goes, yeah, well, he lives here now, and he just wants to be here and learning. <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> I just want to be part of the team, guys. I have no friends. <laughs> Love me. <laughs> I just want to do everything I can. Yeah. So... You know, you join the team and I know, at least from my experience, I went from corporate America where I was like, I was a number. I felt like, you know, I, I felt like I had a place on my team, but it was definitely like in the grander scheme of things, I couldn't affect anything from a larger perspective to jumping into BLS where it's a, we're a small company. We, each person is important to the way that this company processes, right? Everyone has a spot for sure. So what was that experience like for you? You, you know, you jump in and I think we pretty quickly were like, all right, you're going to be on an engagement in like a month. Get ready. Yeah. I mean, it was when it was a breath of fresh air because like I did come from the corporate environment where I kid you not, I got written up one time for posting a meme in a team's chat 
and like it kind of railed on management a little bit because they were like basically throwing all the techs under the bus and it was a lot of techs that were like I was kind of responsible for like I posted a meme making fun of management it was like hey you know try to boost morale I got wrote up for that to cut to now I'm at a company where we have an entire channel inside our messaging app dedicated to memes and the owner of our company posts the majority of the memes in that channel so <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a it's really i love the environment but it, it it's really good to like like you said i felt like i was just a number on a page i was very much replaceable at my company whereas here if i have an idea you know if i have something i want to work on one you can probably just go do it and then show it to mike later he's gonna be like that's awesome or if you do even want to you know if you're going to have to maybe spend a little money or do whatever it is, just bring it up to Mike. He's like, yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Not only will he say it sounds awesome, he'll probably like start a team's meeting about like, get in here, let's do this thing now. Like, get in, losers, we're going shopping. Like he'll start it immediately <laughs> with you, you know. But no, it's, it's I, I love the environment. It's I don't. It's one of these companies that like you, you hear about existing, but you don't know. I did get thrown in quick. I think my first day, my first week, I sat with Paul on an engagement doing web. He was doing a web assessment, which being with, that was, I don't know if that was by design or what, but being with Paul on a web assessment your first week is like watching Picasso paint. It's like, I see it happening. I know it's good, but could I recreate that? Absolutely not. No, that is, it was, it was really like, it was impressive. And then I think within my first month we were in, you know, we went to the Northeast on an engagement and, and, you know, was, I had a finding on a report. So it was, it was, you know, very early on I was getting to participate and that was not something I anticipated. I thought it would be, you know, sitting around for a few months watching other guys do stuff where it was, you know, within the first month they're like, Hey, get on an airplane. You're going to this state to do an engagement. I forgot we strapped you on Nepal's back for your first like two weeks. I, <laughs> that, <was intense. laughs> that is a, yeah. that is an intense experience. Talk about drinking from but a fire. That's a good one. That, that's, that's definitely <laughs> That's definitely the, the yeah. Paul is intense when it comes to web that. stuff. And he's, he's just so good and so fast. Talented. That's what it was like. I would like to yeah. go back and watch that now, knowing what I know. Like I think I, I definitely would pick up a lot more. But he's just so fast. Like he is. It's insane how how good he is. Do you think you'd be able to uh, do like a lot more for the uh, CTF now? Oh yeah, I, I actually thought about sometime this winter if we get a little downtime. I know we're about to ramp back up, but it asking Mike yeah. if he'd fire it back up for me and, and going in there and seeing what I can do. <laughs> if, if I don't get at least six, which I don't, then it's a, it's a catch 22 though. Cause then if I, if I strike out again though, it's like, eh, don't I don't know about that. this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. got to do it on the sly. Ask Zach or Steven. Yeah, to spin yeah, it up that's what I should quietly. I should, yeah. I just go in there and spin it up and do it one weekend. <laughs> no, like Chase, you mentioned having that sort of sense to walk past like a server or an application and go, that seems weird. Paul's got that like to the nth degree. His is superhuman. Yeah. It's so yeah, fascinating yeah. to experience. It's insane. Like mine is usually relegated to like looking at the web page and being like, oh, that looks weird. Paul will go through and his is like each individual like input box and endpoint and all that stuff. Like it is insane how much he is able to process and change. Yeah, he. I, I think he did that on that engagement. He said, we saw something. He said, there's going to be a server side request forgery there. And sure enough, he yeah. fired one <laughs> off and it hit immediately. Yeah, like he knew it. He knows it as soon as he sees it, or before he sees it, even. He is fascinating to watch. Like, I keep throwing around the idea of having, like, an internal uh, CTF competition. Like, set, spin up, like, a try hack me king of the hill box or something, and let, uh, let the team kind of see who can go fastest. But I'm like, I don't think, I don't think Paul's allowed to play. <laughs> He'd be too fast. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like putting, like, LeBron into a high school basketball game. <laughs> Yes, it would turn into a bloodbath between Jake and Paul, though. 
Because Jake is Jake's oh, that web, yeah. Jake's got those web chops. Yeah, we got to get Jake on here too. He's he's another one who he he's got an interesting story coming up and not a as much of a traditional one. So I I always like talking to you guys who you know may not have the you know the same trajectory as like someone who went to school for cybersecurity. Not throwing yeah. any shade at Chase, but you know <laughs> <laughs> you're one of those. So it's just. Security is such a unique thing that you can get to it from all kinds of different directions and still yeah. be very good at it. Jake stole my seat as the youngest at BLS, that bastard. <laughs> the <laughs> BLS baby. Years. Yeah. So now you're now you're here. Now you're a full fledged uh, member of the team. You're pen tester, and it's official. You you've had your uh, podcast debut. So that. <laughs> I've never, I, I can say I've never had that experience of going from a podcast, a listener of a podcast to being on that podcast. It's pretty impressive. So. I like it. I, I was, a, I was not just a listener. I was a fan of the podcast. I had, I've listened to each episode at least twice. Whoa. Oh man. I'm so sorry you're subjected to my voice for that long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not true, Chase. You know, I love your voice. Yeah, I know you, you call me to sing you to sleep all the time. I get it. Absolutely. I don't. It'd be fascinating to see how Amber deals with that. <laughs> she's she's fully aware of our inappropriate work relationship. <laughs> I'm just glad he has friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Josh, I I really appreciate you coming on here, telling us your story, and kind of walking through, you know, life as a, a junior pen tester and kind of experiencing your experience, right? So, um, anything else you want to throw on here before we start closing out? I mean, I think anybody, I said the, the, the ending advice I would give to anyone who finds themselves in my situation where you wake up one morning and you're, you're at a, you know, you're a junior pen tester at a company full of just like class A hackers, guys that you feel like are going to run circles around you is you're going to struggle. Okay. That's okay. That's part of the journey. First of all, kill your ego. Cause you're probably going to go from being like a senior guy to being the low level junior guy. Uh, there's going to be a time probably after like the two month window where you don't feel like you're even good enough to have imposter syndrome. Just ignore that and keep going and just reach out to the senior guys for help because, you know, I can definitely say this for this company. I think it's probably going to be true at most, especially smaller tech companies, smaller security companies. The senior guys want to see you level up. They want to see you advance and they'll do anything that they can within reason to help you do that. So you know, get rid of that ego. It's not about you. Just try to learn as much as you can, take as much notes as you can and just, you know, lean into it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll echo that. Like we, we want you here. We want people here. We want people to be excited to be working with us and building out something cool with us, you know, and I think you fit that bill really well, Josh. So you, you blended very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little too quick. A little Uh, suspicious. (laughs) So I think on that note, we're going to, we're going to call this one here for every time I'm going to struggle to close this podcast because I forget immediately after I finished the podcast, how I did it last time. <laughs> but, you know, big thank you to Josh for joining us in on this recording. And I think, you know, Chase, let me know if I'm, I'm off base here, but kind of the, the story we want to tell here is like, you know, if you've got an interest in it, if you, if security is something you find attractive and you're coming from a background that is non-technical. There's room for you. You just got to make it there. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think this entire podcast has been just a lot of us trying to remove the gatekeeping for security because it's a weird time right now where people complain about the skill shortage 
and then they're not willing to give people a chance and they're not willing to like let people in who may not have the most experience and they just gatekeep in. It's like, okay, you can't complain about the skill shortage if you're not willing to like help people who are learning, you know? And so I think that's a big thing for us is removing that gatekeeping. Yeah. We want to, we, we just want to make it accessible (laughs) in a field that is already hard to grasp some of the grander concepts making it accessible is important yeah like i love security i love the field and if we want to be secure as like i mean the security community worldwide we need to start letting people in amen taking a chance agreed so on that note thanks everyone for listening to any port on the net as usual you can find uh, all kinds of information additional notes uh, links to resources and other stuff that we've talked about in the episode in the show description if you have any questions for us, you can reach out to us on our Discord, on LinkedIn. We've got our Twitter, at AnyPortPod. And again, uh, kind of the theme for this one, if you have you know any interest in joining us or want to see how you line up, don't hesitate to drop your resume at, uh, I think it's slash careers uh, as a subdirectory for our site. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a... Or you can find Mike's post on r slash NetSex hiring thread. Also that. Um, so yeah, and... Join the Discord. Come chat with us. We we'd like to talk to people there. Um, yeah, now that uh we're not all extremely <laughs> busy and slammed, we're trying to get the community thing going again. But God, it was a it's been a long year, guys. <laughs> it's been a long year, and it's all right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>